0: Let's do this, hour number two of the Tuesday show, Braden Gall from 440 Sports, hanging out again today. Got great feedback yesterday, and I know you guys are enjoying hearing Braden again today, and you can tomorrow and the next day as well with Blaine getting some well-deserved time off. Always happy to have Braden with us. Uh UT fans are happy today to hear the head man. Josh Heupel, the head football coach for the Big Orange, took the podium at SEC Media Days, and I was – it's one of those things, Braden, where you're like, well, I just I got my pen my pencil out and I'm just writing stuff because <laughs> I what if he just says something groundbreaking and earth shattering? Most of them don't, but if it's his first time, maybe he doesn't know any better yeah. and he'll just say, I'm going with Joe Milton, or or the investigation's <laughs> over and we're gonna get a 10 scholarship penalty, and that's it. So you're thinking, what if he just throws something out like this, right? Now, you gave your dink well, dong your, of the week yesterday Your, your football guy, coaches.
1: Your guy, Gus, is the guy who's done that, actually. He, yeah, he's, yes, yes. He's, he stepped to the podium one day, and I remember being in the writer's room, which I am not, of course, a writer. Should, should I, I should never be in there. Um, but, but he's like, oh, yeah, Carl Lawson has a torn, torn ACL. And we were all like, what? what Huh?
0: <laughs> what, what happened?
1: <laughs> like, he actually broke news. I can't remember another time when anybody you know, broke news at, at, at a press conference podium SEC media days. Yeah, that'd be, uh, how great would that be? Well, you know, recruiting has sucked lately, but uh, we're going to go with Harrison Bailey as the starter. Like, can you imagine if he'd started a statement like that? Holy cow.
0: Maris' chance to just submit himself in the legacy of, you know, guys dropping information bombs at one of those things. He did not, though. However, Josh Heupel did not do anything of the sort, uh, but he did say some stuff. He started out, he really emphasized relationships out of the gate, and especially with past players and with present players, and some of those guys spoke later and and, and reiterated that fact, but also with future balls on the recruiting trail. He talked about putting a new age spin on the UT tradition. And I think fans of a program, especially maybe when they've been down, the T-word is like a warm blanket you can put on over yourself, right? Because, gosh, it used to be great. We've got all this tradition. We've got all these wins. I mean, we're, we're a big-time program. We're just in a rut right now. He did go down that road, and I've never had a problem with a coach invoking the T-word tradition. He did. But he'd talk about putting his own spin on it. And I, I had somebody tell me, oh, yeah, he's talking about the past administration, He's taking a shot. I, I didn't think he was taking a shot. I just think he saw yeah. there was a hole there that needed to be filled. You know, tie up some loose ends, re-recruit all those VFL guys that have built your program. He seems to know that that's very very important. And 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 when it comes to recruiting, obviously they're trying to build those relationships. Jimmy Himes was on us with our number and our number one, and Jimmy said he talked to one of the og high school football coaches and the guy said he came by my school and i said what are you doing here i don't have anybody he goes i know but you will one day i'm just here to build the relationship man i want to get to know you you know i don't care that you don't have anybody right now so there is some practice to what he is preaching going on already
1: yeah i think that's a great anecdote from from jimmy actually just to show all right josh Hypel is is viewing this thing holistically right and i and i think that's uh, you know, he he's not a guy who has so many deep ties to the university that he can't he can just like flip up his you know just open up his phone and and like call a bunch of former teammates and a bunch of former you, you know VFL like that's he's gonna have to work to sort of introduce himself to all of those different circles and you know he's not Ron Slay like come on like it's he's 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 gonna have to to build those relationships um, I, I I do think it's interesting that the like the feels like ninety eight thing. I actually think that's one of the worst things Tennessee fans have had to deal with. And I don't even remember the origination of it. I don't remember if that was a school thing or like a Twitter thing. I can't remember. But like, it's not 1998, folks. It is, we are, college football is so different today. It's not like what Philip Fulmer did to be successful. And even like the game passed Spurrier by and Spurrier was the most innovative. Advanced guy, he's the guy who changed Media Days. He, in fact, you could argue Steve Spurrier turned SEC Media Days into what it is today. When he showed up in 1990 and just started throwing zingers at people and like making it a circus, like that was the start of how SEC Media Days built into what it is today. But '98 doesn't work anymore, folks. Like the, every single kid Josh Heupel is recruiting right now ha- has never seen film of the '98 team. Like they, like, like they don't know. And this is. Uh, when, when you think of the, the the CBS theme song, what is what's the visual that pops into your head? And everybody out there driving and listening and, and on TV, whatever, let, do this exercise. When you hear the C, the CBS SEC on CBS theme music, what pops into your head? And almost always, it's going to be something that probably popped into your head between the age of like fifteen and twenty four. And for me, as a thirty nine year old, hate to say thirty nine was 38 like last week, and I felt better about it. Um,
0: it's I, worse, trust me.
1: As a 39-year-old, when I hear that music, I see Florida, Tennessee, 1996, 1997, 1998. That pops Ooh. into my head. But when oh. you but when you ask a 14-year-old recruit or a 16-year-old recruit or a 17-year-old recruit or a 25-year-old or a 25-year-old Lucas, <laughs> Lucas. what pops into your head when you hear that theme song Tennessee getting drummed it, <laughs> <laughs> it is Alabama. It is Alabama. Alabama is what comes to your mind. And so he has oh. to sort of like you can't say to recruits like oh we're going to do it like 98 like no we're not going to run a pro style offense with three tight ends and a fullback and and oh. you know Play a 4-3 with, you know, four defensive backs. Like, that's not, that's not football. It's not football.
0: There's a transfer
1: portal. There's name, image, and likeness. And I think Hypel gets that. I do, again, I don't know if he's good enough to beat Florida and Georgia and Bama consistently enough to win an SEC championship, which is what you are hired to do at the University of Tennessee.
0: But I, I will say on that note, I think the one common thread between any high-profile recruit Tennessee has picked up, whether it be under Butch Jones, Jeremy Pruitt, or Josh Heupel, has been to kind of awake the sleeping giant, bring Tennessee back to where it needs to be in college football, where that ninety-eight conversation does kind of hold steady. I agree that he shouldn't beat that hammer. That Tennessee is a premier college football program because it's not right now, but I feel like that is the one common denominator between all high-profile prospects that do want to end up at Tennessee.
1: And, and I think it is. I, I call, I call this the Nick Saban test, right? Like if you put, if you drop, if you, if Nick Saban parachuted into Knoxville at any point over the last 15 years, is Tennessee competing for national championships? And the answer is yes. Like period and end of discussion. So when, when people say like, oh, Tennessee, they're never going to be back again. They don't have what it takes to win. Like, no, stop hiring terrible people to run the thing. And that's what will solve your problems. So I don't, you know, to your point, Lucas, I think, bringing Tennessee back, all that is required of that is hiring the right people to, to, to go out and do that. And a, this is why I go back to why I think it is so important that Dondi Plowman is in charge and that Danny White is running things. Like, I think it's so important that they have a power structure in place so that the head coach at least is in the right environment to, to you know that's conducive for that success. And, and I don't think any of the coaches, I mean, he, he, Fulmer didn't even have that in the last couple of years potentially. So I, I just think it's, I think it's so important. Again, I don't know if it it is Josh Heupel, the guy, is he the right choice? I, I don't know. I don't think anybody knows uh, odd statistics say the answer is no, but that's just a guess. I mean, you, you never know when you find the next Kirby smart or the next Dan Mullen or the next, you, you know, whoever Nick Saban, you just don't know.
0: I've said this for years. I, one of the hardest parts about being a Tennessee fan is they have, every possible resource that you need to be successful. They have all the money in the world. They have all the fan base in the world. They have the blind devotion of the majority of an entire state of people. There's no Auburn or anybody to like, I'm just saying that Washington, Washington state, there's nobody to really draw fans away from you. You're the only game in town. So what's hurt your program is essentially just bad management. It's just been poor management. Like you said, bad hires. You just hired one bad person after the other. And the thing about Tennessee is you've got so much money. You could make those people disappear. Okay. It's not working. (laughs) Not not literally. Okay. It's not, it's not working. Okay. Here's, here's 11 million. Okay. It's not working. Wait a second. You cheated. Here's nothing. We'll see you in court. But they've had the wherewithal to get rid of all of these people. We're going
1: to pay Kevin Steele $2 million to not do a single thing.
0: Boy, that's great work if you can get it. The man of
1: steel. No kidding. Uh, I mean, no, no you're, you're 100% right. No college football program is immune to poor decision making. Look at Texas. Texas is, oh. the, mo- Texas is the most powerful athletic department in the country,
0: period. And Period. people don't understand that, Braden, but that's true. They have more money than anybody.
1: They, they are they can, they're the only one with their own network. Okay, let's just leave it at that. <laughs> and, and if you look at Texas, outside of Mac Brown, who has managed to control all of the stuff that goes into that job? Texas should be, where, Texas should be Oklahoma or Alabama and, or Ohio State, and they're not because they can't get out of their own way. And this was Tennessee's problem for fifteen years. Yes, Derek Dooley's not a good coach. I got it. Okay, we, we understand. We don't have to debate that. Butch Jones couldn't develop anybody. Jeremy Pruitt was way in over, way in over his oversized khakis. But like, you, Texas has hired good coaches, and they can't get out of their own way. So again, this is—I know I'm a broken record on this with Tennessee—but the, the reason for optimism is not necessarily that you believe Josh Heupel is going to. Beat Georgia every year, like you can think that if you want to be a homer, and that's fine. Maybe he can. Maybe I'm dead wrong. And I'll put my hand up and say, hey, I was dead wrong. He's beating Georgia every year. Whatever. I, that would be unma- that would be amazing to be wrong about that. It seems far fetched. It seems hard. to He's got a six year head start, and he's got the best players in the East. Dan Mullen's the best offensive mind in in the in the country. Maybe like you're you're Nick Saban's the greatest coach in the history of the universe you're you're this is an uphill battle okay (laughs) this is an uphill (laughs) battle (laughs) so well what it's i just it's a broken record but having the right infrastructure in place behind him is going to give him the best chance to succeed and that that is that is where i am the most optimistic about tennessee football and i know i've said it like five times now on the show but like that is just that if i'm you ask me how i feel that's how i feel i I don't know how to feel about josh heupel i'm I don't know. Cautiously optimistic is not even the right word. <laughs> it's, it's like, I'm just sort
0: of, ah, we'll see.
1: But the offense could be fun. So there's that.
0: I think so. It's like a shell game. You just need to keep people watching the shells <laughs> right, moving right, with right. the offense. So they maybe notice what's going on with the defense. Uh, TN4L on Twitter weighs in to Blaine and Mickey, by the way, at Blaine and Mickey. Give us a follow. You got nothing to lose. We'll entertain you on there. He says, nothing changes after today. I want to see Ibel succeed and shake up the SEC but we've been here multiple times already, and we're still waiting for a coach to do what he said he was going to do.
1: It, is this too harsh for Josh Heupel or not harsh enough on the other guys? Again, when I say that I think Josh Heupel is a professional football coach, it means that I think he belongs in the job. Like, I like I didn't think the other guys, but like clearly, Butch is kind of a clown. Jeremy was in over his Come head. Oh man.
0: That's the coach of my school.
1: Be nice. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and actually, you
1: know what? And that's actually probably not even fair to Butch because Butch is probably going to do a great job at, at a group of five school because he doesn't just forget how to be a head coach. In fact, he went to the Saban Rehabilitation Clinic and he probably is a better coach sure today did. than he ever was before. The, the point is, I just don't know if Josh Heupel's good enough. That's the, that's, it's not, it's not that he's bad. I don't think he's a bad coach at all. Clearly, he's a very good offensive coach. The The, the question isn't, you know, again, when you're, you fired Georgia, how about this? Georgia fired Mark Richt. <laughs> Mark Richt won 10 games a year and was recruiting, you know, the ninth best recruiting class in America. And they were shooting for a bullseye so small above Mark Richt when they fired him that that, that it actually worked. You know what the odds are that you fire Mark Richt and get better? Like, that's that's the, the odds of that are extremely small. And they did it with Kirby Smart. Like he played in the national title game. He's recruiting in the top five. He beat Alabama with the number one recruiting class one time. It's just a really, really small bullseye. And you know, is Josh Heupel going to hit that bullseye? I don't know. I, I think uh, you know. Again, odds are no.
0: We'll see. Braden Gall preaching right there. Four hundred and forty Sports. You can hear him on the show with me this week. You can always hear him on his Four Hundred and Forty Sports. Uh, all those different uh, processes and podcasts and all the products that they're putting out there when we come back coach mac has got some talking to do we're going to talk ball with our head coach of titans radio at 104.5 the zone we'll switch to titans we'll talk a little bit about that want to remind you and coach mac loves to take calls anytime you have a question for coach mac and you want to join the discussion you can tweet it to us we'll ask him the question or you can call in and join 615-737-1045 we'll be right back with coach mac Oh, man. We're right here just on the precipice of football season, and Coach Mac joins us. You can just smell the cut grass. Blaine and I were talking about this one day, Coach Mac, and he said there's a certain smell of the grass, and he knew it was time for football practice. And I didn't play nearly as long as, as any of you guys, but I even know that smell. and And it's not early season grass. It's not – you just know <laughs> there's a certain point in the summer – where you mow the grass, and literally you go. That's it. That's training camp. Yeah, they start cutting the practice
2: fields. I mean, you have you absolutely you absolutely know it. Brady and I were talking before we came on. You know, trading Texas high school stories, and <laughs> of course, back when I was playing in West Texas, that was back during the era when if you if you had water during practice, you were soft. And so you talk <laughs> about cutting the grass. They used to, we used to love it when they cut the grass before practice because that meant that you could expose. Some of those buried uh, irrigation heads that they would that they would uh, uh, spray the the field with at night, you know, that they'd they'd recede into the ground. So we'd all put straws in our socks, and then we'd hide behind each other and try to suck water out of those uh, because we couldn't have water in <laughs> <to> practice. <laughs> oh
0: the other God. thing that was amazing that you and Braid were talking about, you know, Braid said he went to a town of six thousand or eleven thousand people, and they had a six thousand. 000- seat football stadium and you had some similar stories well yeah they, that's just, they take uh, it seriously
2: no that's that's just what it is i mean that's you know you up out there you know that friday night lights area that i did i mean we would you know I mean, we'd scrimmage those odessa teams and we'd, we'd all of that stuff is is real and that's just the way you grew up and and when when you had a friday night football game at an away game especially in west texas you had your bus and of course, we had a lot of oil money out there, so we would we didn't travel yellow bus. We had a decked out bus like the like the the, the country stars travel on. Nope. I mean, we had stereo, leather seats, uh, tiger painted on the side. I mean, and so and and we would you know we would be riding on that thing, and there'd be a string of cars behind us. Best time to rob anything out of one of those West Texas towns is if they were in an away game Friday night.
1: Odessa Permium. Yeah, no, Odessa Permium, man, I, I, it's no out. It's funny, like the the high school, and this now it's just us telling stories. The high school that is in the very first scene of the television show Friday Night Lights is actually my high school from Austin, Texas. It's Westlake.
2: Yeah, well, they, what, what, but but they West changed Lake it. Famous. Yeah, Westlake is a famous high school down there because they they. You and I were talking about it, Braden. They put out some really really good oh. players. A great, they they. I mean, they've been state champions several times. It's a, it's a real deal. No, it's, it's insane. It
1: it was actually the opposite, Mickey. It's a 6,000 person town that turns into an 11,000 person town on Friday night. It doubles in size on on Friday nights. And this, this one town I went to is like in between Waco and Houston. So it's a, you know, it's middle of nowhere, but like you'd walk through the library, Mac, and it'd be asbestos roofing and like um, old Apple II computers and stuff and In the library and then you'd walk back to the football facility to go like you know scout a player and it's you know 12 foot high sliding glass stained you know like (laughs) tinted windows with like four hundred thousand dollars worth of workout equipment you're like wait a second are our priorities straight here i'm not sure
2: well you're straight you're straight if you're in texas i promise you that (laughs) everybody everybody's good with it i mean we had great facilities because we had oil money out there where i was we had great facilities. My roommate in college at TCU was Tookie Berry, who was the middle linebacker of that Odessa Permian team. You know, and there you uh, go. so look, we can tell Texas high school football <laughs> stories forever here. Uh, and and it, it's just, it was great to get back. Of course, once I got back, and you know, when they know I'm in town, and I'm always meeting with coaches and coaches from those other small towns come in, we always have a clinic, and it's cool. cool.
0: Had a bunch of barbecue from a converted car dealership, man. I got hungry just hearing you talk about it, Coach. You got Whataburger down there, and people barbecue and all kinds of stuff. is number one. Brisket. I mean, it sounds like a pretty darn nice place, Texas, to me.
2: Well, yeah, well, no, no my, you, you and my brother would get along great because that's and that Waterburger. is like is like uh, going to the any type of mansion to eat. Whataburger to him is the best in the world. Every time we would be out, he'd say, you want to stop at Whataburger? I'd say, of course.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need, to, I need to hook up with that guy and just make a road trip through Texas. I cool. think we'd enjoy it. Coach Dave McGinnis, our guest, he's brought to you by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Need great health care coverage and affordable price. Well, guess what? You can let Farm Bureau Health Plans coach you through it. They got you covered. He joins Braden Gall and me. Coach, what are people
1: doing right now players veterans not we we've talked a lot about the rookies we've talked a lot about the new guys we've talked a lot about the new coaching staff they're all going you know the injured guys are going through mental reps we we, we got all that you know taylor lawan's going through rehab what 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 are the guys who are healthy and ready to go and and cannot wait to get to camp which you know they're gonna you know who knows how hard the veterans have to go in camp what, what are they doing right now mentally guys that have already done this for six seven eight years
2: well, they're getting ready because, I mean, you, 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 you've you always got to be ready. I mean, and they're going to work hard in camp because that's, you know, that's part of them getting tuned up. Now, how long they have to have to work, that's according to the 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 load management that the coaches want to put on them. And it's changed dramatically through the years. But, I mean, they, they, they've got to get ready. You've got to be sharp because, look, there's always somebody looking to take your job in the National Football League. There's just too many of them coming up. You know, every day every day's an interview in the National Football League. So they're 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 getting ready. The thing as a coach, you know, that you just wanted to come in, because basically that first day, you know, of everybody that's that, that shows up the first time you show up for a practice, a real practice, I mean, that's the most healthy, hopefully everybody is. The thing you hate to see is just like what you saw happen out in LA just with Cam Akers. You know, the, the thing that is just that has just happened with him as to where he was, you know, he was he was working out and he and he ruptured his Achilles. So all of a sudden, you know, that's their starting running back that they were counting on this year, and this close to camp. Well, now he's done for the year. You know, those are the types of things that keeps coaches up at night. You know, where you where you are consistent, and he wasn't doing anything other than other than just working out. You know, just getting ready for getting ready for camp. And and Cam Akers is a is a fine player, and and you know that his body was in shape. And so those are types of things that keep coaches a little bit uh, on edge right now just getting ready. But the the vets, and the one thing about being a vet, Braden, they know what to expect. And in knowing what to expect six months ago, they already knew how to start to get ready for what's getting ready to happen.
0: What, What about rookies, Coach? They get a few extra days. They report on the 25th. Veterans report on the 27th. There may be some injured guys and some others that get to come in as well a little bit early. What do you get from those rookies in those couple, three extra days?
2: Well, look, any amount of time you can get in the classroom or on the grass with the rookies is invaluable because the difference, I don't care how big a power five school you come from, I don't care how accomplished you were at whatever university you attended, I don't, it doesn't matter to me the division, the, soccer, the, the leap to the National Football League is a different world. It's a different world mentally, it's a different world physically, and it's a different world stress-wise.
0: Jeff Fisher, I remember, talked about this all the time, guys making that jump from year one to year two. The Titans really need to count on a bunch of these guys that are year two guys, Christian Fulton and Darrington Evans and L- Rel Murchison, a bunch of those guys who didn't get any kind of offseason last year, Coach. That alone should help make these guys better, much less that Jeff Fisher jump that he always talked about.
2: Well, that's big that you bring that up. That they, they, those guys are basically really – you know, still rookies, because that 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 they missed was critical to their development. I mean, it really was. I mean, just take it and look back at Nate Davis. Look how much he missed early and then look at the incremental improvements that he made once he was able to start with it. Well, these guys never really got to get both feet on the ground and get all their cleats in the ground because they got injured. They got injured without that 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 time, you know, preseason. And that was that was huge. So you're right. And it's a big season for. Uh, especially two of those guys you mentioned in in Fulton and Evans, those guys need to contribute this year. They need to contribute significantly this year because there are roles for them on this team that are very important right now.
1: Just, I I am fascinated by the decision-making process that defensive coordinators, and I'm sure you and I have even talked about this coach, but I'm fascinated by the picking of the poison, (laughs) right? Like which way do you want to die? If you're a defensive coordinator playing this Titans offense, and I have always been of the assumption that you cannot give up the big chunk play at every level of football, whether it's the you know, NFL all the way down to the lowest levels, you can't give up the big chunk play, which means you've got to focus on A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. I, am I wrong in that assumption for most defensive coordinators? That no, gonna- Brad,
2: you're right. And, and you, we're talking about explosive plays, but explosive plays with this offense and the way that it's built and, and, and the way that it works when it's really ginning on all cylinders is this. It doesn't have to be an 80 yard throw to be an explosive play. It can be a five-yard throw off a play action on a dig over the middle that can turn into a 50- and 60-yard play if you got the right type of receiver and you get the right pre-snap read against the coverage you're throwing against. And the the double-edged sword for this offense for defensive coordinators is is the run game is an explosive play, too. That running back that we have back there, this dude can break explosive plays. I mean, he can not only just hammer you and wear you out, all the years I was a defensive coordinator, if I was facing a team that could run the ball as well as the as the Titans can, and they had a back, I would I would sometimes give in to some of those runs, you know, trying to trying to uh, prevent the explosive plays through the air, knowing that they had a back that might could dent me, but he couldn't crush me completely over the top and down the field. This running back can, so there is an issue. There is an issue there. But your premise about the explosive plays is 100% right. It's the only way, it's the only way to score consistently in the National Football League is explosive plays because defenses are too good to be able to grind the ball down the field. They're just, you know, they're, they're too good. They understand how to adjust play-to-play, play. they understand you know, how to counterpunch with what's going on. So you guard against explosive plays as a defensive coordinator. That's the biggest one of the things you first put on your goal board is no explosives. If you can hold a team to no explosives, defensively, you give yourself a chance.
0: Dave McGinnis on with this brought to you by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see Julio Jones. He was injured last year. But he looked great in the little bit of limited stuff that we saw with him. But should fans expect to see that guy, Coach, just come right out of the gate and he's involved in everything and he's taken all the reps and all – or, or no, Well, do you think it'll be a little bit more measured just based on what happened with him and his hamstring last year?
2: Well, it'll be measured. But, look, you've got, you've got a generational veteran player. He knows what he can do. He right. knows what his limitations are. He, just, he said it last year. He said, I tried to come back too early. You know, from what he knew, he knew he wasn't 100% healthy last year with that. These guys know their bodies, especially these these vets that are at that level. They they know their bodies. And and here, here's the thing. Here's a big plus for the Tennessee Titans players. They got a head coach that knows what they're going through, too. They got a head coach that's experienced it personally on championship teams. And so, you know, the, the, that, that situation is well taken care of up there at the Titans. And it's not about it's not about who can run the fastest on the first day of training camp, believe me, they will work into this. They're going to have, you know, they've got a preseason three preseason games. They got a preseason practice against the world champions. So they've got plenty of time to, to sharpen things up and get it honed up. And so uh, the thing that I really like about the way Mike Vrabel runs his football team, especially on the field in practice, he gets it and he understands it. He understands workloads for various players at various stages of their careers. And so uh, as as long as they come in, it's just like the players coming off of surgery. I mean, those, it's not about those guys being out there day one running, mm-hmm. you know, running across and running gassers. That's not what it's about. It's about getting everybody that you can healthy to that first regular season game against the Cardinals. Let,
1: let's go in, in the weeds a little bit along the defensive line, if you don't mind. Um, okay. I think, you know, Bud Dupree gets all the money. Pass rushers get all the money because they sort of catch all the – you know, they're the ones with all the, the counting stats, right? They make the big, flashy plays. You got a big, flashy corner with a first-round draft pick. First-round draft picks get all the flash and the attention. I think Denico Autry is probably the, the most important asset that they've acquired this offseason that no one's talking about. How would you maximize the Simmons-Autry combination? What, what can you do with those two next to each other, or do you separate them? Like, how should the Titans go about maximizing the two of them to create space for everyone else to operate.
2: I like the way you're thinking, And I tell you, I mean, they'll probably do about the same thing that Indy did with him. You know, on first and second downs, he was, he was on the, he was, he was, he was an end. He was an end. And then in sub, he moved inside because you know what he can do rushing inside and, and being able to, to, to accommodate that center guard triangle is, is big. So they'll use him in a multiple that that's part of the attraction of Danico Autry. He's a big, long player. He's got a a unique body type that he can play. He's got length for the edge, and he can also – he's got power and suddenness and violence in his hands for the inside on the center guard triangle. So I expect to see them use him at both places, Braden.
0: Coach, uh, we haven't had you on since this was announced, but the Titans made some additions to the Ring of Honor, uh, the great Bum Phillips, and you grew up in Texas. I'm sure you, your path may have crossed him, or at least being a young football fan, you knew about the trajectory of Bum Phillips and Love You Blue, and you know me, I'm a football historian, so certainly I loved that, that period of football and those teams. Floyd Reese goes in, and then Coach Jeff Fisher. And when Coach Fisher goes in, or any of those guys, they take everybody with them, who was part of what they did. So, in other words, when Coach Fisher goes in, you were a big part of what he did, you go in too. That's got to be a special moment in a lot of ways.
2: It really is. And the first thing I'd like to do is just just mention how Amy Adams-Strunk continues to just push the right buttons for this organization in every aspect that she touches. And that was, I mean, that was, that was very, that was a very, very wise and a good decision, universally accepted by everybody. Bum Phillips, as you said, Love Your Blue was a, was a, was a tremendous thing. I knew Coach Phillips. Of course, I know Wade. I knew a lot of those guys on his staff, not only there, but in New Orleans. Uh, Look, iconic coach, iconic coach, iconic West Texas high school coach, by the way you know and so and and, and to me it, it was so appropriate and and those and and those three guys are are, are intertwined in such a way that uh, you know because the history of the holders is the history of the titans it really is, and then what Jeff Fisher and Floyd Reese did when they came here and were able to were able to establish the Titans early on. Go, you know, the first year they moved into this stadium where they are now, they go to the Super Bowl, and then those years of of, of successive winning seasons that Jeff Fisher put together. I was on his staff and we went thirteen and three. I mean, it, look, it, it it he was Tennessee's first professional coach. So those three, and, and then what Floyd Reese did, I mean, they, they did a tremendous job, and, and Amy Adams Strunk recognizes that. So I, I'm, I'm very pleased that she did that. I'm very much looking forward to the ceremony where uh, Coach Phillips, you know, is, is, is inducted. I'm also looking very much forward to when Floyd and, and, and Jeff go in. But, it, but, again, as I said, it all, to me, goes back to Amy Adams Strunk. And just she's got her hands on all the buttons now and are pushing the right ones at the right time for this organization in a lot of areas.
0: We've been talking about the University of Tennessee, and they finally have some stability at the top. And we were talking about just how that gives them a chance to succeed in everything. But we've talked a lot about the same thing with Amy Adams Strunk. She's like a superhero who showed up with a checkbook and a great attitude and has just done fantastic things ever since.
2: Well, thing that impressed me about her. And of course, when I came back here and met her, you know, when they, they hired me and wanted me to come back to work for them, you know, Mike Keith told me, you know, when you meet her, you'll be impressed, Mac. And I'm just telling you this to begin with. And he was a hundred percent right. I went, wow, okay, I get it. I see why this place is in such good shape. Now, I'll, I'll tell you a little story. I don't think Fish would mind me saying this. You know, when he came back for Eddie and, and, and Steve's Jersey retirement, when Amy Adams Strunk invited him back for that and he was on the field and then he sat in her suite, uh, 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 with her during the game and afterwards you know he and I talk I, I talked to him today he's up in Montana just finished his big brothers big sisters charity golf tournament in big sky Montana that he's always supported but anyway and, and he told me you know and, and, and he said and I said fish has a great ceremony glad you were here great to see you and he said Mac let me just tell you I sat up there with Amy Adams Strunk best owner I've ever talked to and and he said, she just gets it. He said, she gets it on so many fronts, he said. It really makes me excited for the Titans. So, that there you go.
0: Boy, that's good stuff, Coach. And when we talk to you next week, there will be Titans here doing football stuff. <laughs> we have made it, Coach. We've made it.
2: Mickey, I'm looking forward to seeing you out there on the practice field with your sun hat on and your long sleeve shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be doing it, brother.
0: Brett Kern gave me a bucket hat, Coach. I'm set for this year, and I got some new long sleeve shirts, but you'll Brett recognize it. Brett
2: is, Brett is the dude. He's taking care of you.
0: No doubt. Hey, he takes care of everybody. Uh, coach, thank you, man. Great talking to you. Can't wait till next Tuesday.
2: See you, guys. See you, Braden.
0: Thanks, Coach. Boy, Dave McGinnis, if that doesn't get you fired up, literally, next Tuesday, the 27th, when he is on with us, the Titans will have reported all of them. Ooh. We'll be talking about NFL football. We'll fold up the tents today, though, in the next segment. Uh, this Aaron Rodgers thing is out there, and every time you forget about it, then something happens. There's more to it today. Uh, big bombshell from uh, Adam Schefter, who I do not follow on Twitter, Braden. If you don't know that story, I can share that with you as well, <laughs> or anybody who doesn't. Now, when we come back, it's Blaine and Mickey, special guest, Braden Gall from 440 Sports right here on 104.5 The Zone. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Braden Gall hanging out for Blaine for the next few days. 440 Sports, you can check him out there. Lucas, I know you have sent me something that I need to give away. I have not yet received it, so uh, hang on. We will have a giveaway. Is at Nashville SC. We're doing all kinds of fun things this year. We're helping you guys have a great summer and go to great events. So before we finish up this segment, we will give away – some tickets again i'm just waiting for my uh email to be delivered here
1: building up another regional rival little match with the crew the columbus crew the team that knocked him out of the playoffs last year in a brand new stadium tomorrow night you know i just I, listen i want be, I want beef i've i've said this on the air many times mickey i want our city to have more beef with other cities
0: well the beef that we're giving away here is for the cincinnati game on saturday that's where the Even beef more beef is at.
1: yes Skyline Chili sucks, y'all. I'm serious. Oh, my. Okay. Garbage. Wait, somebody
0: Garbage. Oh, a baseball announcer that went all in on Skyline Chili just in a segment. It's like.
1: Yeah, I think it was Gary, a, Gary Cohen, right? My my first but, place
0: New York Mets, uh, the voice of, right? He's Like, a little bit outside that takes it to one and two. Skyline Chili is garbage. And then they have, like, B-roll footage of it. He's like, they're putting that horrific chili gravy on it now and beans and <laughs> Where's the cheese that has to have five different things on it? Yeah, just terrible, awful. He just went just, We have that. Okay, let's let's hear Cohen just completely undressing Skyline chili here. Then we'll give away the tickets. We'll talk about Aaron Rodgers. This is the local delicacy known as
1: Skyline chili. The five-way with the spaghetti and the beans <laughs> and the cheese five way first the uh the disgusting chili gravy <laughs> and what do you then put on the that? onions do you put some mustard or something no, on no, it? No. wait a second When you, after the onions comes the cheese and that's what makes it the five way here we go is the cheese they put like 10 tons of, of shredded cheese
2: on there and <laughs> this is supposed to be food that you actually eat now does the cheese melt or is that a, a... <laughs> Ronnie, Ronnie, have you ever had saline churn? I have that, not. Is not. that Ron I Darling? Recommend. Not out either? Well, no. You, you need to try everything once. Okay. Right? All right. It doesn't kill you. It makes you stronger. Try it once, <laughs> and then you'll never eat it again.
1: Oh, Gary Cohen what? and Ron Darling, I believe, <laughs> yeah. on the SNY broadcast, <laughs> yeah. I believe. Is that right? Yeah, that was it. Just yeah. eviscerating Those are my boys, baby. Those are my this boys. This is something
0: that you are supposed to eat. Oh, also, man.
1: don't tell me that Ron Darling, who's pitched in the majors, I don't know how long, like 15 years, I know it was forever ago, but don't tell me he's never heard of or seen Skyline Chili. Like you can't, you I can't think, be a National League pitcher and never have heard of Skyline Chili, I feel like.
0: I think he was doing the Colombo thing where he's just playing dumb to yeah, get more yeah, out yeah. of Cohen. He probably just to make it, <laughs> it even... <laughs> yeah, just like yeah, he's just leading Cohen straight into this deal. Oh, All know, right.
1: So the guy who used to be their play, their their sideline reporter was Kevin Kevin Burkhardt, who's now like number two in the NFL.
0: He was selling yeah. cars before that.
1: Yeah, Burkhardt man.
0: Well, he's getting it done. He's a, he's a great announcer. Did I Mentioned uh, there in first place
1: yet, Mickey? Have I mentioned that? Have why? Have I mentioned
0: there in first place? Have I mentioned that? no, but there there you go. You got that covered. Maybe twice. Ta- uh, Soccer fans, you don't want to miss another history making moment at Nissan. Say and be caller number five now. You can win tickets to see National SC take on regional rival FC Cincinnati this Saturday at Nissan City. Maybe they'll bring some of the chili of their coolers. Thanks to T-Mobile, the largest, fastest, and most reliable 5G network. They're doing this for you. 615-737-1045. Caller 5 wins those tickets and some chili gravy. I'm kidding. We don't have any of that to give away. Aaron Rodgers could have bought all the remaining chili gravy in the world. I know we only got about a minute and a half left. Um, the news just leaked out via Adam Schefter, the Packers offered him a two-year extension. It would have tied him to Green Bay for five more years. By the way, he's already 37. Would have made them the highest-paid quarterback and player in football and that he declined the offer. And, Braden, I know this is is tough. I'm throwing this to you with that much time left. To me, this is the Packers putting this out so they can tell their fans, we offered him the moon and he didn't want it.
1: Yeah, this is all posturing. This is what's going to happen. The Packers are not going to trade Aaron Rodgers until next March. I've said it now for three months. They will trade him next March. They are fine with him sitting on his keister the entire season. Aaron Rodgers, I do not believe, internally, is capable of doing that. I think Aaron Rodgers will play for the Packers, and he will get traded in March. I think all of this will just disappear when games start to happen. That's my, that's my guess at what's going to happen.
0: I would tend to agree with that guess because he's thirty seven. You don't have years to sit out. You're not 22. You're not 20. You don't have any more years no. to no. sit out. You got zero years to sit out. The Packers have a team around you that they feel like they can win, and they know they can't win with the guy who they drafted. They're going to have to find some way, even if Gudakunst or one of those guys says, I will not come near you all year. I won't even come in the room if you're in the room. Does that work?
1: They are not moving him until March of next season. The Packers have no... There, there is no incentive for them to do anything. They're willing to play with Jordan Love if they have to. But guess what? Push will come to shove and Rodgers will probably play. They'll probably be good. And then they'll trade him in March. You heard it here first.
0: There you go. And that's the last thing you'll hear as you hear it first. 3HL coming up next. There is tons of great stuff because guess where they are? They are at SEC Media Days. Boots on the ground. You know what's going on? They're right there. They'll tell you everything. That's next, and we will see you tomorrow once again with Braden Gall of 440 Sports. Peace out. See you on Hump Day, everybody.